We got married on August 1st in 2003 in Naples, Florida, which is where we actually met and fell in love, um, which means we will celebrate 19 years married in August. Thank you very much. <clears throat> when we, um, we laughed putting these side-by-sides together because when we look at this photo, it's kind of hard to recognize ourselves in some ways. Um, we have aged, <laughs> but in 19 years, we've changed quite a bit. There are wrinkles on our once smooth faces and more than a few gray hairs now. Um, we thought we knew a whole lot about each other back then, but as the saying goes, love is blind and marriage is a real eye-opener. We knew that we had differences in 2003, um, but they were mostly charming at that stage in our marriage. And it took all of a few weeks for those charming differences to become a little more annoying, <laughs> might say. So early on, <clears throat> after the honeymoon, when real life settled in, it was very apparent that the two of us were incredibly different. For example, right after we got married, we immediately moved to Wake Forest, North Carolina, and Travis um, started to attend seminary there. And so because we had dated really after college, we had no idea what kind of student the other person was. Um, I am a firstborn, so therefore I am a type A overachiever, where's the extra credit, like that is who I am. My middle husband is like, how do I get by and just pass? Give me the syllabus. Let me know what I need to do to get the thing done. Right. Right. Early on, my motto in college was C's equals degrees. <laughs> <laughs> now, we were in seminary, so it's a little different. Um, he really wanted to be there. He was getting his master's, and he was, of course, very interested, and we felt very strongly that this was a, the right step if we were going to go into ministry. And so... This is my, one of my favorite stories, though, about him. It's maybe our first month of marriage and first month of classes, and God gave us, like, amazing friends, lots of couples when we uh, moved there, and it was kind of like being in college, but minus all the relational drama and social awkwardness. It was like everybody was happy, <laughs> and so we just got to hang out. And one week, all of my girlfriends, which were probably like eight or nine of them at the time, um, said to me, hey, all of our husbands are going to be at the library like every night this week till like midnight. So let's do a ton of like girls nights every night. And I was like, oh my goodness. Well, that sounds fun. But I didn't, Travis hasn't said a word about being at the, the library. And I said, why would he be at the library? And they're like, oh, for, you know, the class that they're all in together, this huge paper, it's like 20% of their grade is, you know, this is the week they have to put it all together. And again, I'm thinking, I've heard nothing about this paper. And he's an adult. So... What do I do here? So we got home that evening from both of our jobs, and I said, hey, I heard that maybe there's like a huge paper. Are you going to be gone a lot this week? And he goes, <laughs> I'll never forget it. I'm like internally mapping out if that's true. Like, how is he going to do this? And how many hours are you going to spend every night? And he looks at me, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and I'm like, you're not doing it? And he said, yeah, no, I figured out I, my grade is really good in that class. If I, just, if I just don't do it, I can still easily pass. And I was like, so you're going to show up the day it's due, like I'm sweating bullets thinking about it, and just not turn it in. And he's like, yeah, it'll be fine. Now, my favorite thing about that is as I look back in hindsight, I think it was like a paper about like our church fathers, and it was like 
church history, and it just did not interest him. So he was like, it is not important in, like, real-life ministry. And I just had to learn, like, oh, my word, okay, this isn't my reputation on the line. This isn't my grade. Just take a deep breath and let him do this. And what makes us laugh today is that it was his favorite class of the entire experience. And for the guy who thought, I'll never use it in real life, the class was marriage and family. So, who knows what this marriage ministry could be had you taken the, written the paper. And I must say, I didn't want to sacrifice my marriage by being in the library for said. a whole week to midnight. He's like, I'd rather go on a date with my wife. Exactly. To me, that was worth a whole paper written. And that is literally what we did. I felt so bad for my girlfriends. And I still did make a B in that class, by did. the way. All A's in oh, seminary yeah. and one B in that class. Yep. Um, and that was the only assignment he chose not to do. But yeah, anyway. thinking ahead, what I need to do to get by. And I, oh, yeah. I don't always think that way. Matter of fact, when I got to seminary, I was a much better student and came away with a, a really much better GPA than in college. You did. You did. But that was one example of how I realized, oh, my word, we think about life differently very in different. some areas because we are wired very differently. Yeah. And let's talk about some of those Differences okay. between us to recognize those. <laughs> Spontaneous. Planner. Extrovert. Introvert. Pandemic has been wonderful for her. Best case scenario. Not so much for me. <laughs> Adventure awaits. Homebody by choice. A broken home. Stable home. Raised with all boys. Raised with all girls. Easygoing. Little bit, <laughs> little bit rigid on my side. <laughs> Grace, law, <laughs> just to name a few. Just to name a few. Uh, a recent example of our differences can also be seen in how we choose, how we chose actually to prepare for this talk. <laughs> and I think we were sitting on the couch yesterday trying to finalize some of these edits and whatever and fighting about how it should be written and what should be said she's like oh you can't say that that's too junior high-ish i'm like okay well you can take the boy out of junior high but it's hard to take the junior high out of the boy i still want to say that this thing is funny she's like it's not funny <laughs> these differences are not going to drastically change however our marriage uh, most of them are based on how we were raised if you think about it right and how god made us so how do we live with them or even make peace with the fact that there's differences in our marriage? Before we get into that, do you know the number one reason listed on divorce papers for why a couple is seeking for a dissolution of their marriage? Irreconcilable differences. So here's the truth. Every couple has irreconcilable differences. <laughs> right? The fact that I'm an extrovert, introvert, is not ever going to change in a marriage. But the thing is, these differences don't have to define us or our marriage, Christ does. In some ways, our differences might actually enhance our marriage, or they might be refining us in our marriage. For seven, our marriage stays intact by the grace of God because he is the foundation. As you see here before you, this Jenga piece, it's interesting. You think about, you know, there can be these differences between us, right? And these differences between us might be these little blocks that we can remove, okay? And when we remove those blocks, we put them on top, just like playing the game. But the structure still stands. Why does the structure still stand? Because we have a very solid 
foundation, where that solid foundation is Christ and his word and the gospel, we can remove a lot of different blocks and the structure is still there. And your marriage can still be there today too if Christ and his word is the foundation. Amen? Yes, there's differences. Um, but I think furthermore, what, about our differences in marriage has actually helped both of us to understand our need for the gospel, a gospel of grace and mercy and forgiveness, which are foundational aspects to any healthy marriage. We are able to understand the gospel better, but also extend it to one another, as we read most importantly in the lesson this week. To read this phrase, I think is really good. The goal of understanding your differences is not so that your spouse can better serve you. Rather, the point of living with your spouse in an understanding way is so that you can better serve your spouse. So, lastly, I would say these identifiable differences are a really good thing. Why? Well, because they're from God. Psalm 139, 13 to 16 says this, For you form my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there were not one of them. The significant real differences in each of us was developed and made in the mind of our creator. Everything about us, when it comes to Steph and I, comes from him. So we are to celebrate those differences as a gift from God. So if we're going to embrace our differences, um, I think this quote helps us do that. Marriage creates a combined entity that is stronger than any one person. Amen. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says, Two are better than one, for they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. <laughs> you know, honestly, early on in marriage, it took me some time to realize that Steph's differences are not a curse in my life, <laughs> but a wonderful compliment. To give you kind of an illustration of that and the differences and how they complement each other in our marriage, one, I'm kind of like big vision kind of person. 30,000-foot elevation can kind of give you the big picture of what I want to do when it comes to life and ministry. Steph is gifted in the details. So if I have this picture of what I want to do, this grand vision or whatever, Optimist. she knows how to get it done. <laughs> Realist. <laughs> right? Absolutely. The problem was I saw her thoughts and suggestions as hurtful instead of helpful. Have you ever been there? It was a negative interpretation. I was thinking the worst of stuff because I didn't understand. I didn't understand how God had uniquely gifted her in this area of details. And really her giftedness in those areas was actually a huge blessing in my life. And it has been no doubt in ministry. So one thing that kind of drove me a little bit crazy when we were first married is how I thought Travis was so laid back about um, making big decisions or purchases. Like it, and what I eventually came to love about him was that I really had negatively interpreted that as passive when in reality God showed me, no, no, that is wisdom. Uh, Travis is much more of a processor than I am, and there's not a whole lot that rattles him in the moment. And so 
I am not wired that way. I'm very easily rattled. And um, I realized what a great gift it was to me that God had given me by giving me a husband who was not, um, he did not jump the gun on things. A lot of people assume maybe he was the wild and crazy youth pastor at home, <laughs> but truly he isn't. He's very um, thoughtful and he's very wise. And so the Lord even revealed to me, actually, Stephanie, you are the one who is impulsive <laughs> and sometimes decisive um, as well. And so when we put ourselves together in marriage, I realized, okay, this is a gift because Trav's able to lead us with a lot of wisdom and thoughtfulness when we consider these big decisions. Um, and he takes time to make sure that we're getting it right. Um, we always sleep on it, something that I really probably didn't do before that. And so when I came to that conclusion, I realized, okay, he's the one who helps us in the wisdom department probably uh, by restraining. And then I'm the one when we come to the conclusion that, yeah, this is right. I'm the one who helps us just go ahead and make sure. the decision. <laughs> yeah. As we think about these differences that really have been such a compliment when we've come to understand one another, it's like interlocking fingers, you know, the coming together and it's like, oh, we are stronger and better together. To quote the famous Rocky Balboa, he said this about Adrian in the first movie. She's got gaps, and I've got gaps. We fill each other's gaps, right? <laughs> Stronger, together, that is God's design for marriage and for your marriage as well. And everyone said, amen. So turn to your spouse right now and say, honey, thanks for filling my gaps. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't come to this conclusion without stepping on each other's toes from time to time over the years. Mm -hmm. But we are thankful that God has helped us see each other's differences as potential assets to us and to our marriage. Now, honestly, you guys re-engage has really helped both of us embrace this concept. So instead of just acknowledging those differences, we've also learned to ask, how can we nurture those differences? And that comes to our last slide. Ministering to our differences. So the opportunity we have to live with our spouses in an understanding way is one of the greatest challenges and privileges we experience in marriage. We all have ways we like to show and receive love, so we've embraced this mission to know what fills the other person. Now, obviously, you guys are very aware of the love languages, right? Maybe you've read the book. It's been a while maybe since you, you've kind of like covered some of that material. But there's five of them. And again, just to touch on this briefly, because again, to revisit this in your marriage, regardless of how long you've been married, is going to be really important. They are words, okay, of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, gifts, and physical touch. For me, which I think is kind of like across the board for my top two are physical touch and words of affirmation. So let me tell you something. I love it when Steph tries to make out with me and tell me I'm awesome at the same time. <laughs> just being honest. This is the part where I said, let's not put that in there. <laughs> However, I lost that battle. <laughs> Steph is acts of service, right? Things can get real messy in our home mm -hmm. with four kids. So the best thing I can do for Steph when I get home is to grab a broom, a vacuum, start cleaning the kitchen with all the pile of dirty dishes that exist because four kids just make a lot of dirty dishes. Mm -hmm. And ladies, is there anything more attractive than watching your man do the dishes? Come no. on. <laughs> but however, the goal is not to learn those love languages so that you know how to be loved, but so that you can love your partner and serve them. It's about filling their tank. On your own. Here's a banking analogy I'd like to use with that. It's deposits and withdrawals. So if you see your marriage, it's kind of deposits and withdrawals, it's kind of helpful. If you're not making deposits into your spouse life when it comes to their love language and only making withdrawals, then eventually your spouse is going to be running on empty. Well, when someone's running on empty and then you try to make a withdrawal, guess what happens? The bank's going to slap you with an overdraft charge. In other words, <laughs> conflict, right? I'm convinced that some of the conflict in marriage is actually a result of one of both people having an empty love tank. We have found in our marriage that we are at our best when we are committed to serving the other person and putting their needs first. In the end, we both get our needs met. Mm -hmm. Mutual sacrifice. 
So here are two scriptures that have really um, helped us in this. The first is Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of, of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. In Romans 12, 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. These two um, passages have just been instructive and helpful for us as we have learned and are learning to live in an understanding way with each other because we never stop changing in marriage. And as a result, our love languages might be completely different from when they, we first got married. Um, so in our 18 and a half years of marriage experience, which is not a whole lot, um, we try to revisit this question from season to season and maybe ask um, each other like in this season, and maybe this is a question you could ask your spouse today, in this season, honey, what fills your tank and how can I help? It might seem like somewhat of a silly question. Serve one another. Things happen. One, I think, peace and marital satisfaction, right? If we're not checking with each other and we're not learning how to serve one another and we're just taking from each other, we're eventually coming to this place where marriage is going to be really hard and some of us in this room can be like, I get that. And so when we are willing to serve each other and lay our lives down and consider the personal interests of this person more important than my own and be like Jesus, we start to experience real peace and marital satisfaction. And I think number two, our marriage, the role that God wants to use our marriage for is in the purpose of his kingdom, right? So our marriage is put on display as a tangible expression of God's love for this world when we're serving one another and being like Christ. And I'll tell you, it's not easy. And Steph and I suffer through this, and it's hard. We don't always get it right. I remember when we first got married, people were like, oh, you guys are the perfect couple. I'm going to tell you something. We're not the perfect couple. We do, have, however, have a perfect Savior who perfectly loves us and is perfectly committed to changing us if we're willing to humbly submit ourselves under the authority of his word and do things accordance to the scriptures. Man, life can be blessed and our marriage can be at peace and we truly can have marital satisfaction. True. <laughs> you guys, thanks for listening to us and I hope this has been an encouragement to you. Um, let me pray. We'll break us off into small groups. Lord, thank you again for this morning. Thank you that you... Uh, have given us our spouse to live in an understanding way, as it says in 1 Peter 3, 7. And so help us to outdo one another by serving each other and showing each other honor. And thus be able to experience the oneness, the intimacy, the marital satisfaction that we can have. And thus our marriages, every single marriage represented in this room, to be put on display for the world to see God's tangible expression of love for all people through these marriages. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.